Welcome to Running It Back, the lessons learned from sports podcast. Mike Palmer here. Really happy to see Tarlin Ray again. It's 2023. We're still cooking. Tarlin, how are you doing? This is our first time in 2023. I call, I write, I sent you snail mail. You just now ghost me. It's 2023, yeah. Tarlin. Is, is ghost, ghost, ghosting is... Ghosting was, I thought, so 2021. It's that, back. And, and now you're trying to be a millennial Gen 2023 Re- Revenge of the Ghost. Get and ready. now you're South by Southwest second year in a row. And I was in the first year. And you, right. I got a note from right. someone right. saying, you got cut? I go, yeah, he cut me. I thought yeah. I brought the energy. Right. One, but enjoy. Right. right. I will. Enjoy. Austin, I, I, yeah. I, I, Anyone's in Austin, South by Southwest EDU, I'll be down there representing for running it back since Tarlin won't be able to attend. See how I repped you? I, I'm there. I like it. I got your back. Yeah. I'm curious, worried about my own. I did love the text I did get from listeners. Um, mm. One of them said, it's been a minute since I've heard you pod, mm. your voice on the podcast, just making sure you have not been kidnapped. So that's fair that question. Oh. And just confirming you're contractually required to say you were not kidnapped, I, right? I, I was not kidnapped. That was part of I, the- I enjoyed the, that was every the, moment I, the of term. that experience. Exactly. Exactly. But good to be back. A couple of things I have issues with, Tony, Tony, Tony lies when it says it never rains in Southern California. It is, I've never seen rain like that. And it's also special when it rains inside your house. This is an atmospheric river into your den. Den, arbor, and uh, closet. So we've got three open holes, but we are going to continue to fight. Mm. Fight the good fight. I've had an opportunity since I saw you last to be on lawable courts for 13 hours. Yes. To be at a university watching the battle of high schoolers in, in an ethics bowl competition. Yes. It's an oxymoron to have a competition when you're talking about ethics. Got a couple of texts from you in real time, unpacking the experience of spectating at an ethics bowl. Yes. I was disappointed it wasn't on the Ocho as I was the only one in the stands watching the two high schools go after each other. Yeah. But it's good to be back. I do miss hanging out with you and there's way too much going on yeah we like to let it breathe though right it's true we are not going to react to the last game right it's not about who won the most recent award mm-hmm. we're trying to let stories percolate and see what spikes in perfect time it's black history month mm-hmm. and it's super bowl it's our annual Rooney rule blackhead coach in the nfl eric bianavi watch it's all those things we've been doing for the last few years, we're also going to be releasing an NBA show shortly, which is also bonkers right now. So if you're curious about that, be on the lookout for that coming down the pike as well. But we wanted to talk football. We wanted to talk quarterbacks. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts so good. I think everyone ever in what Sarah said, the Baker Mayfield and the pros, that's my quarterback. I'm sure there's some diehard fans who, whoever you put out there, that's a receiver, a receiver on his team. Well, that's that's fair. That's fair. Yes. But yeah, so we're back. And just in terms of timing, we're recording this episode on the Saturday before Super Sunday. So Tarlin and I have no advanced knowledge. Well, you could say Saturday before Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Right. Hey, thanks, man. I thought that was, I thought you were going to say to our listeners, but you just. I was, but I wasn't really saying it to you. So okay, good. Can, you, well, can, we, can we cut that out of the edit? We're going to re-record that one. 
But yeah, so we've now done the last few years, every February or thereabouts, we've done a show about the NFL's blackhead coach problem. There hasn't been the best track record for the NFL around making moves to actually open up those jobs to qualified blackhead coaches. That's been a thread that we've talked about a lot. And we've also had a number of conversations about black quarterbacks in the context of Justin Fields and some of the more recent draft classes. Jalen Hurts isn't too far from there. To your point, it is Black History Month. Where do you feel like going? Well, we start with the quarterbacks. Yeah. So Doug Williams, I know, is proud of this moment as he was the first black quarterback playing for the Redskins, playing the Super Bowl. And this weekend, we have two outstanding quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. I can say outstanding now, but it's interesting. And we've done this because we were on it early when it came to Justin Fields and calling his slide in the draft and understanding. But I really want to go back and think about where these quarterbacks came from. Because Jalen Hurts out of college, remember Jalen Hurts was benched in college for one Tua. How do you say his last name? I say Tyga Viola. Well, there you go. For one Tua, and then went on to another program in Oklahoma, broke some records, was a Maxwell Award winner, and fell to third in draft. And then we also have Patrick Mahomes, who was a Texas Tech Red Raider, had one of those offenses where you could put up some numbers. But I, I, I wanted to go back because good on Patrick Mahomes. Five straight years AFC Championship or better. Two-time MVP. Yeah. And Jalen Hurts being able to come from a little bit of obscurity and not being seen as a top talent to make it to the Super Bowl. But I wanted to go back to look at the combine profile hmm. for both the guys. Okay. And it's interesting just to read Hurts. This goes to sort of understanding talent. Hurts, like Tebow. Hertz is a dual threat QB. So whenever anything starts like Tebow, yeah. you know that you're true. Mm -hmm. Dual threat QB known for his strength, toughness, and character. More accurate passer and runner than Tebow. But is inconsistent as a decision maker and tends to break the pocket. Mm. So he should make a solid backup. That was Jalen Hertz's scorecard. Mm. His strengths, and I won't read them all, but 38 and 4 as a starter. Over in Alabama, Oklahoma. Tremendous leader. Extremely tough and durable. He has poised late in games, is experienced in a variety of schemes. That seems like someone you would want on your team. Seems qualified. Let's go to the guy you love, that you've been hyping up for years. One Zach Wilson. Yeah, of course. 6.5 rating. So remember, solid backup, that was what they had. His label is boom or bust potential. This is the second person taken in the draft, 2020. Ascending QB prospect who possesses the swagger and arm talent to create explosive plays inside and outside the pocket. Swagger. swagger wagon. We got more. Gunslinger mentality and improvised release points are clearly mm. patterned off of his favorite player, Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Ever his more reminiscent of a blend of Jake Plummer and Johnny Manziel. Mm. So he talks about, they say, as enormous potential of full reads. He's slick with a slick ball handler. He had 11 to 1. TD interception ratio, and he had enormous uptick in his performance in 2020. That's all they got for Zach Wilson. 6.50 yeah. was his rating. Out of, the out Jets, of 10? I don't know what it's out of. Just know 6.50 is more than 6.14. But I that's see. the guy. So what I'm trying to understand, this will link to the conversation about black head coaches, is what 
are these professionals looking at? Mm. Nowhere does it say he's a great leader. No one does it say does it have more than one year of a pop. This is like I'm reading like Vanilla Ice. He's a one yeah. hit wonder mm-hmm. of, of the NFL QBs. So what is it about Jalen Hurts that he is literally dominated college? Yes, he got benched down and had some struggles, but everything that I read there is he has all the tools to work it's, with. Although it sounded like they were saying he's a little tentative, you know, making his decisions. And they were also saying he breaks the pocket a little early. So there is implicit in that analysis that they're questioning his decision-making. What's interesting about that is the flip side is the other guys, the gunslinger, he's making crazy decisions, but he's going for broke. He's boom or bust. And that's characterized as a positive, although it did almost sound like there's a little bit of tentativeness. The reality is, and I'm not trying to defend the scouts or the combine. Defend your Wilson guy. Go on. (laughs) Not not trying to defend Zach, friend of the show. For me, it's more... Jalen Hurts may have taken a little more time to come together as a pro. He might have needed a little more, and he's done it. You know, like, he's still early in his career. Mahomes didn't start his first season. He actually had that first year to kind of watch and develop as a quarterback. I think some of the problem with the draft and the combine is really the combine. Like, how much can you really know at that point in your assessment of this talent, how much can you really know whether they'll be successful down the road? Based on what you just read, not a lot. There's not a lot that they're really working on. And those paragraphs, as much as we pretend to be data-driven nowadays. Zach script- Wilson's crypto. He's Bitcoin. The quarterback is the leader of your team. Mm-hmm. How could you possibly then gamble on a boom? Zach Wilson is Ryan Leaf. Yeah. I just don't understand how you keep gambling on the person that's supposed to lead the chart, lead everyone on the team. It is the guy that you follow. It's the guy with the ball in your hands every play. What is it about those? Maybe it's the intangibles, but there's no way Hertz went into pro day and had 10 of his 50 balls are just overthrown. Right. So you've got a guy who squats 600 pounds. Mm. He's a pro. He's tough. He's extremely tough and durable. You he's, want, sta- he's fast too. Yeah. Four, five, nine, 40. You know, or maybe he's good. quick. Or maybe he's sudden. He's, he's sudden. Yeah. But in, as you watch the NFL and the number of quarterbacks that are just dropping like flies, you want someone that's going to be there. Yeah. To survive Alabama, mm-hmm. to survive Oklahoma, different schemes and still ball out. Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand what people get excited about. The most important position in the league yeah. going to take a massive flyer. And that's what I'm trying to understand. Let me, let me read you Patrick Mahomes. You got time? Yeah, I'm here. 7.0 prospect. Adequate height with good muscular definition. Built to withstand physical challenges. Calm, field general. Very good pocket mobility. Possesses NFL size. Big arm ability to throw with accuracy. Despite Schmidt offense, he is a fulfilled reader, early read, will have to become much more pocket aware, better job of recognizing and attacking blitzes, has not pulled all the pieces together yet. Mm-hmm. So he is a good starting to be high floor and potential. Got it. So yeah, probably could conceivably go higher than that. That doesn't sound like the top of their scale. So I'm sorry, that actually wasn't Patrick Mahomes. That was Mitch Trubitsky. Ah. You want to say that again, or we leave that pronunciation of... No, I want to... You try to say it. Say that back. 
Trubisky, True. Trubisky. Can I get a Trubisky with a hot dog? Can I do you, Patrick Mahomes? Please. So the Trubisky, 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 Trubisky is a seven. Patrick Mahomes is a 6.3. Mm. High ceiling, low floor. Big, competent QB. He brings a variety of physical tools to the party. Why is it a party? Mm. He's developed some bad habits and doesn't have an, a repeatable process as a passer. The ability to improvise and extend plays can lead to big plays where offense will have to prove able to operate and better anticipate. So he possesses NFL body type of work, an undeniable swagger. Swagger. Confidence. Yeah. Swagger from Zach Wilson. It sounds different when you talk about Mahomes swagger, though. I got a little uncomfortable. Ac- accuracy has improved each season and naturally accurate in everyday throws. Mm-hmm. That was the combine rating. Trubisky is now holding a clipboard for the Steelers. And the number of interceptions he threw last year for Steelers was uncomfortable to watch. Mahomes on the other hand, 64 and 16, 105.7 QBR rating, two MVPs, going to five straight AFC championships. Yeah. One on one in Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So I just going to repeat. When you read the reports, it is undeniable that NFL teams are taking major chances. But why would you do that with the number one player? Yeah. When you look at Mahomes' background, he's a son of a major leaguer. He played all sports. You know that he has the ability and the tools. The Kansas City Chiefs went from the 27th pick and moved up to the 10th pick to get him. And it would have gone higher. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the two guys in that draft, Trubisky number two and Patrick Holmes number 10. What's happening? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm curious where Tom Brady ranked the now ex-NFL player, retiree Tom Brady, who would have scored very poorly on the combine. He was pretty irrelevant. He was Mr. Mostly Irrelevant. He was drafted late. To me, this is partly an indictment on the way the NFL is assessing quarterback talent, and especially if Hurts wins tomorrow, I'm still, I'm still a Mahomes guy. He's my dude until you knock him off, and I'm still leaning towards Kansas City, and I'm going on record, Tarlin, as saying that. But you could very easily see Hurts and the Eagles win here, in which case Hurts goes from someone within the last two years was being pushed to become a wide receiver or a running back is quarterback on a Super Bowl winning team. There's something way off in the way that talent is being assessed for the most important job in the NFL. I'm not sure what the answer is, but it could be a cultural problem the way talent is assessed. It does remind me a little bit of the head coaching problem that we were talking about. It's a coaching problem. Their ability to adapt to the talent that's sitting in front of them and mold the talent to a new or different scheme instead of having them fit the scheme that's there. Yeah. It's also the paradigm shift, you know, the ability to be flexible and to adapt to changing situations is much more the 21st century skills that we need to stay relevant. And there's still a lot of older sort of institutional momentum around this is the way it's always been. This is the way we've always uh, assessed talent. It's part of why I do think Tom Brady retiring, hopefully this time it sticks. He said that they work. So he did send it, right? Right, right, right. I'm hoping. I think so. I think so. And and he's been posting on Instagram. But the idea that we can let go of that mental model, we can let go of that to some extent, that can eventually become a little bit part of the pantheon. Sure, there's Joe Montana, 
there's Tom Brady, there's other great quarterbacks through the years. But I think it does clear the stage a bit. I guess in both cases, it's an opportunity. One is for someone to emerge onto the stage in the case of Hertz, and then the other in terms of Mahomes, which is he's immediately at the top of the conversation for the greatest of all time. And then it's a question of how long does he play? How many more championships does he win? But he's only 27. So I think in either case, it's a real turning of the page for the NFL. And it is a time to reassess how they've been assessing talent. Also to the point that these missed opportunities can really torpedo franchises. You know, you make the wrong decision, especially around floor and ceiling. I feel like they have no understanding of what that means. They have to say it, but, you know, I would think, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. but I would think someone like Mahomes had a much higher floor. He seemed like a high floor, high ceiling. I could see him not being the transcendent player that he is, but he still was going to be he was going to be a quality quarterback, I thought. Yeah, at least middle of the pack feels like his floor. Again, New Orleans, a couple other teams were looking at 11 and 12. So he wasn't totally off the radar. Yeah. I agree. Listen, Mahomes, we talked about at the beginning of the year, there are articles being written that he was, prior to this season, was just a street ball player. Yeah. That he couldn't sit in the pocket, and he was just making crazy. Those were articles that were being written about mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. I mean, even even heading into the AFC championship game, there were a lot of articles about Burroughs, again, his swagger, and Joe Cool. Burrowhead, and he's the guy. Mm -hmm. So then he won. He beat not only Burrow, not only won MVP, but he also lost the number one, one of the better receivers, best receivers in the league in Tyreek Hill, who went nuts in Miami. Yeah. And so if you look at the talent around Mahomes, it looks a lot like what Brady had, the dominant. Tight end, yeah. mm-hmm. some serviceable Hall, Hall of Fame, Hall of yeah. Fame tight end, mm-hmm. some serviceable wide receivers, yeah. a running game, mm-hmm. and then just a transcendent talent quarterback. This makes plays and a little something I like to call Big Red on the sidelines. So it's interesting you say that. I thought it was supposed to be interesting. I, I apologize if That's this the first time. Actually, do you see me? If you were, if there was video, I actually <laughs> sat up in my chair. I sort of been slumped over. Just mumbling into the mic, but oh, Palmer said something. That's an interesting transition. We don't want to leave Hurts real quick and just say a guy that broke Cam Newton's record for rushing TDs in a season, hmm. only quarterback to have a, over 100 QBR and 10 plus rushing TDs, only lost one game as a starter this year. Kudos to you. I want you to play well. Mm-hmm. I am a Mahomes guy, though, as well. Yeah, this is so a I, fully I endorsing of Mahomes. I want to win. You mentioned Big Red. Yeah. So maybe we transition to coaches. I thought it might be a nice move. And Big Red's in the State Farm commercial. Yeah, you know, so he's got, you can see that he he likes to, you know, poke fun at himself. He's a good dude. He's scribbling mustaches on. Scribbling must yeah. Watch out. You don't want to fall asleep on the plane because he may be scribbling mustaches. But when you say Big Red and kudos to him, but he's done a great job, did a great job of Philly. Still hard to, you remember Terrell Owens sort of just, Working you know, on one leg, you know, 10 catches. Yeah. Donovan, Donovan McNabb looked like he was throwing up in that game, but he had a chance in the Super Bowl. So he's, he's going down as one of the best coaches ever. T.O. having press conferences in front of his home in Southern New Jersey. Yes, I remember that. But you think about Big Red and Andy Reid and his coaching tree. We've had Doug Peterson. We've had Matt Nagy. We've had, at one point, Brian Dable. 
So those are offensive coordinators that were on his squad. Matt Nagy was there for a year. He was able to get a job, Chicago Bears, and he was part of the horrible Trubisky experiment. Doug Peterson, three years there. He's 31 and 17, playoffs two times. He was the third most winning offensive coordinator. And then we got to do like Eric Bieniemy. His run coincides with Patrick Mahomes. He had Alex Smith there for 16 games. They put him Mahomes for the 17 game. Are you referring to Eric Bieniemy of the state? He's in every state right now. But he's the most successful offensive coordinator under Andy Reid, 63 and 18. And you said, why are things working? And you mentioned Big Red. Mm-hmm. Hang on, let's and, retake it. And I say, you know why? Eric Bieniemy. Nope. Nope. Do not make cut. So there's an article right now that's saying, how, why is Travis, how Travis Kelsey always be open? And you think about it. He is their number one yeah. pass catcher. And yet he's always over 100 catches, 1,000 yards. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And his comment, Travis Kelsey's comment, is because of Big Red. So is it? Eric Bieniemy gets none of the credit. All of a sudden, the OC gets none of the credit for being under Andy Reid. He is an offensive head coach, so I think that is part of the problem. That's fine. But other offensive head coaches as part of the Andy Reid tree have gone on to get head coaching job. 100%. I understand he's an offensive coach, but what's different Eric Bieniemy? So the question is, as I look at the last two, Open roles and Sean Payton, good on you. That's not a surprise. Russell Wilson's broken. He's short, just like Drew Brees. Yeah. Can he fix? Can he? If anyone can fix Russell Wilson, it's going to be Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. D'Amico Ryan's, congrats. It's a tough hopefully, gig, but yeah. Hopefully they did not treat this as the one year black coach. Mm-hmm. So we had David Culley, we had Lubby right. Smith, and now we have D'Amico Ryan's. I think he's going to get more of a run. He's not holding clipboard just for a year. So great hire. And we'll talk in a moment about Frank Wright. But in the remaining coaching open roles with Indianapolis, he is up for the running. But in the other open role, Arizona, he hasn't even been interviewed. So it's either we have a black coach problem or is Eric Bietami an a-hole? Yeah. I mean, how bad can you be as an interview? I guess it is possible that somebody just can't past muster and it does get back to uh, you know i love talking about the intangibles but it does get back to something you can't quite put your finger on which frequently gravitates towards a history of bias and an inability to actually see new models in front of you that's kind of the recurring theme that we've been talking about on this show and interestingly, Brian Flores, you sent me a text with Brian Flores getting the defensive coordinator role in Minnesota for the Vikings, seeing that he's kind of on his way back. It's just been a year since his suit. He sued the NFL right when Tom Brady retired the first time and stole a lot of his thunder from the retirement. Maybe that, in fact, that maybe that provoked Giselle. I don't know. Just speculating. Giselle and yeah, Ally. Yeah. That's what I as. But now that we're wrapping things up, we do have lots to cover. We do have an NBA show to also get out there for our listeners. Any thoughts from you sort of tying it all together? Steve Wilkes. Yeah. So you talk about Brian Flores. Psyched that he got a role. Mike Tom was the first one to hire him. Not shocked the OG would hire him. And he still has never had a record under 500. Yeah. He then goes and gets the DC job for the Vikings. 
my team. I'm psyched so they can look beyond the lawsuit. The other guy that's in the lawsuit with Brian Flores is Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes held a clipboard for the Arizona Cardinals for one year, three and 13. It's his first year there. And then gets fired for Cliff Kingsbury. And we know that's been, that was a great run by Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Then is a DC for the Panthers, Matt Rule. That team is horrible. They're one and four. They end the year six and six. And he ended with this interim tag. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they trade away their best player in Christian McCaffrey. So they're shedding talent. He's got reclamations at quarterback, ends up with Sam Darnold, who looks better than he's ever looked. And the team is one game away and one beat the goat and Tom Brady away from making the playoffs. And they lose in a close battle at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Tough to beat the goat on the way out. Yeah. But yet, the guy that they hired, Frank Reich, who was dumped by Indianapolis because he needed to bring Jeff Saturday and out of the booth. Yeah. And yes, he's a former, he played for the Panthers back in the day. And that's who they brought in. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to judging talent coming out of, do you want leaders? You're the CEO of the team. The coach is the CEO of the organization. But in order to, it's not just winning a presentation, it's winning the locker room. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he was able to take a group of guys, dysfunctional, not even coming, coming close to playing under Baker, Baker Mayfield, and get them to make a run, it shows that you can leave in. It's the hardest thing to do. It's not the conversation that you may have in a boardroom. It's the conversation to get everyone aligned and running together. Mm -hmm. And so the question will be, oh, it's offensive uh, league. And when an offensive-minded head coach just hire an OC. Mm -hmm. For me, that was, I, I just don't understand. Like, these are all successful business folks that own these teams. You know how hard it is to build culture, to operate a business. That's basically what you're asking your coach to do. Mm -hmm. And he did everything you could possibly do with a weak lineup to show that I'm the guy. Mm -hmm. This one, this doesn't make any sense. What are you looking for? We got blown away by Frank Reich's presentation. Yeah. But, but did you watch the way his team was playing for him yeah. in, 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 in Indianapolis? Oh, but he had terrible, terrible quarterbacks. Did you see what Steve Wilkes was playing with? Yeah. There was a swagger. I'm going to use NFL's favorite word, Zach Wilson and Patrick Mahomes' combine report. There was a swagger back with the Panthers. Yeah. And so Tepper, as a new owner, just fell right into the old boys network and the way that you look at talent. Mm -hmm. And the way that you look at lead or admit, it's one of the hardest things to do to turn around a team and get them thinking their minds to change and building a new culture. So that's my frustration with, you got someone who's in the seat, performs, you don't give them a chance. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Frank White hire doesn't sell, doesn't sell any tickets. And the Flores seat was about not tanking, which is very much in line with Wilkes' performance. You could imagine in that context, he was not expected to get the team turned around. And then it's almost like the organization doesn't know what to do with the interim head coach who overperforms. Something we're going to keep looking at. The other lesson learned there is you know, I heard Frank Reich had really killer PowerPoints. <laughs> so, so maybe, you know, a PowerPoint, mirror board. Yeah. And he did, he did his own vid. And so he was, he yeah. showed that he can cut video. I'll leave it with this. My favorite moment of the year, Lovey Smith 
number one or two in terms of beards that I wish I had. Jacques Vaughn, we see you. Yeah, we see Jacques Vaughn. And and I wear it like that. I got some grays, but I'm I'm working on it. Yeah. Yeah. But Lovey Smith winning his last game. They are two and thirteen and one in prime position to have the number one pick. And he doesn't care. We're gonna win the game. Yeah, you play to win the game. Win the game. So Lovey, you're the guy. You're the beard for life on the beard Mount Rushmore, but you play to win the game. So yeah, and we we play to run it back. Tarlid, thanks again for joining us on today's show. Thank you for our listeners. We'll be back again soon. This is running it back. <laughs>